Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing awesome, man. Looking forward to today's conversation. Today, we are going to dive into a quite robust, a little bit of a heavy lift in terms of a research article review, Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully give you guys some nuanced uh, kind of thoughts and outcomes, but more importantly, some action. So, uh, before I, uh, before we go into that article, um, you know, if you're new to the podcast or if you're looking for some fasting help or how to put fasting into your day-to-day life, you can head over to our website, thefastingforlife.com. If you've been with us for a while, <clears throat> then uh, today's conversation uh, will probably be uh, something you've been become accustomed to, where we're going to take a uh, research article, and this is a, like I mentioned, a robust one. And it's uh, on the impact of meal frequency on anthropometric outcomes, a systemic review and network meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. Mm. Sounds sounds like a uh, like a, like a family game night, right? Lots right. of fun. Here we yeah. go. So, yeah, um, yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be some good stuff today. So, For sure. Before we dive into that. Uh, I want to mention that our next challenge registration link is live. The challenge starts um, on July 25th and runs through the 31st. You can go to the show notes, click the link for more information. That's going to be July 25th through the 31st. I am super excited about this new seven-day format, Tommy. Uh, We have been able to get the same results that we were doing in our 10-day challenges with our seven-day the delivery has been leveled up. The results have been uh, maintained or even improved. We've got a new format, uh, daily check-ins, more accountability. Uh, we've got more time and availability to answer questions. We've streamlined the delivery. Um, I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on. We've got a new, you know, a couple new recipe packs that are dropping. Um, okay, I'm going to stop. I don't want to give it all away. But if you, you know. guys uh, have been listening for a while, you know that we do these challenges every six to eight weeks. Um, and we're super excited about this one because of all the changes I just mentioned. So uh, if you're looking for more information, go ahead and head over uh, to the show notes. You can click the link or head over to the website. Um, and before we jump into the uh, impact of meal frequency on anthropometric outcomes, Tommy, um, <laughs> Go ahead and land the plane on the challenge coming up here for us. Yeah, we we see some absolutely incredible results during these challenges. So I'm I'm super excited. I'm excited about this format, and like you mentioned, some of the ways that that we've leveled it up from uh, from all the great ones in the past. And you know, we took uh, several thousand people uh, through these challenges last year with just some amazing amazing results. And um, you know, what I thought was cool about this article is I, I think it I think it's going to speak to a lot of people who are who are considering doing a challenge or who, 
who may be ready for a challenge, even if they don't quite realize it just yet. Um, because, uh, you know, depending on where you are in your, in your fasting journey, um, you know, you may be stuck at a plateau or maybe you've never really like pushed the boundaries because you didn't know how to do it or didn't have the confidence to do it or didn't know how to, you know, quote unquote, safely do it or, or, you know, in, in a way that you could really feel good about and really hit the gas and, and get some long-term, some amazing transformational results. And, and that's what this process is about. And, you know, today's article really kind of speaks to that because, um, you know, a lot of folks who, who may be listening have done a 12 hour fast or maybe stuck at a 14 or a 16 hour fast, but never really pushed the boundaries. Or maybe you've done a longer fast here or there, but you kind of gave it all back. You didn't know how to maintain those results or how to accelerate them and how to really get the ball rolling. And that's, um, that's what we talk about. That's where we get to and how we develop the long-term results within the, the challenge. We start within the challenge and then we have a great continuity group that um, those, those folks have been with us for a while um, after we get done with the challenge so we can continue the momentum. And so it's just, it's really cool to see that structure uh, in play. And I think that's why um, this article, you know, really kind of spoke to us uh, here and, and felt timely to do. Yeah, it's interesting too, because you just mentioned something and I didn't know you were going to bring that up. So I love when there's alignment like that, but um, the article is kind of a dud, <laughs> even though it's a, it's a heavy lift Yeah. in the fact that it's, you know, looked at 42 different entries, ended up landing on 22 different uh, random controlled trials, mm-hmm. you know, a decent number of participants between 600 and a thousand there was some secondary analyses. There was some, you know, strengths and weaknesses of the studies. Um, but it really looks at this, the comparison of the old, uh, I shouldn't say old, but the commonly accepted um, thought process that four to six small meals a day is going to be beneficial for long-term weight loss or weight management Mm-hmm. which then results in increased, you know, longevity, health outcomes, et cetera. So yeah. if you've been in the weight loss journey, like much of us have, and if you haven't heard Tommy and I's story, you can go back to the first couple of episodes, give us a little bit of grace, but go ahead and listen to episode one, hear how we got started all the way back, you know, when we turned the microphones on in January of 2020. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, both of our journeys included was this, okay, I'm going to track, I'm going to count, I'm going to, you know, make sure I have my snacks with me, I'm going to have breakfast, I'm going to have my mid morning snack, I'll have lunch, I'll have my mid afternoon snack, I'll have dinner. And then maybe I'll have a high protein, desserty type protein packed snack before bed. Maybe a protein shake after after the gym too, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of commonly accepted thought processes in the weight loss and dieting world. So I love the study because it's going to look at the difference in meal frequency and the relationship between meal frequency and measures of obesity. And right in the abstract, it says, and we know up until this point, it's pretty inconclusive, right? Mm -hmm. So they were looking at the systemic review of the network meta-analysis, and they were looking at situations where the calories were the same. They were isocaloric. And Mm -hmm. they wanted to look at the anthropometric categories or outcomes of um, body weight, waist circumference, Mm -hmm. fat mass, and energy intake. And 
when they started breaking down the different studies, and we're not going to go through all the nitty gritty details, one, because we probably couldn't land the plane on that and make it make sense um, in a 30 minute podcast, or you might fall asleep if you're listening to this. Um, so we don't, we're not going to do that. We want to take the nuanced kind of action steps out of the conversation. Yeah. Um, but looking at those health, those, those, those um, uh, anthropometric outcomes or those measurements of body weight, waist circumference, fat mass, and energy intake on the comparison between one meal all the way up to six to eight meals per day, all with the same isocaloric intake, meaning mm-hmm. the situation was I'm going to eat the same amount of food regardless of how many meals I have it in. Yeah. And with, with no specific outcome looking for, um, looking for a calorie deficit, right? Like um, just, just looking to have a maintenance type of meal, your normal calorie amounts just split up into different, different segments through the day, whether that's one or that's six or eight. Right. And it's interesting because when you start reading the, I'm like, oh man, this is a really cool article. And that's why I love how you framed it in relationship to, you know, the, the fasting journey. Right. So it, it will, we'll go into a couple of the big differences between why we think, you know, the results of this were so inconclusive. Um, but it really goes through just in the introduction, talking about, you know, the dietary habits of the consumption of foods with snacking and calorie containing beverages you know, it's been hypothesized that eating small, frequent meals instead of larger meals enhances fat loss and better weight maintenance. We mentioned a few of those things. Um, some studies they mentioned provide support for that hypothesis of the smaller meals and snacks throughout the day. But then there's other diets and cancer studies that lower frequencies. So less than three meals a day were associated with higher risk of obesity, but lower waist circumference. And then controversially, there was another cohort study, cohort study that indicated that increasing the number of eating occasions beyond three is a, associated with a higher risk for weight gain. And then a recent meta-analysis of 13 random controlled trials suggested that lowering meal frequency through skipping breakfast and prolonging the fasting times may help to reduce weight in adults. So literally, they just came right out in the introduction and said, given these contraindications, we really don't know whether or not increasing or decreasing the meal frequency has an overall benefit on weight and obesity. So that's the introduction, right? So there's a bunch of, a bunch of meat in between. You're giving me PTSD from when I had these questions, I I hadn't stumbled upon fasting. I hadn't done any fasting myself and I'm looking for answers like in the metabolic journals in, in, in different research articles, just like this, I may have actually read through some of the ones that they used and reached my own same inconclusive results based on what I was reading. Yeah, it's, it's quite daunting. And the, the relational point here to me was that like, there's so much information out there. It's like, what do I do with it? And that's why I love fasting because fasting regain allowed me to regain control Um, through the simplicity of just simply changing and putting some more time, you know, in between when I ate. So I want to, I want to give some of the low certainty outcomes of this study. And that's Mm -hmm. the terminology of like, low certainty, moderate certainty, uh, no effect, low certainty, moderate certainty, or like, yeah, this is 100% certain these two things are related, right? Right. 
So when we're looking at these metrics, uh, the body weight, waist circumference, fat mass, and energy intake, the two meals per day, slightly reduced body weight compared to the three or six. Mm-hmm. And it was the best for decreasing um, the waist circumference. So two meals a day, which is your standard, typical beginner's two to three meal beginner starting point for someone that is new to fasting. You skip breakfast, typically intermittent fasting windows are 16, eight. So you eat dinner and then you don't eat until lunch the following day. So 16 hours without food, eight hours with food. Most people Mm -hmm. will start there with two to three meals in that eight hour window. The, it was interesting though, this is with slightly right here, right? So slightly two meals per day, reduced body weight, compared to three meals. So if you're starting intermittent fasting, just doing the two meals compared to the three is actually going to give you a better reduction in body weight. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's best for reducing the waist circumference, which is what we found. We did a podcast a few episodes ago um, about the new emerging field and definitions of metabolic health. Yeah. And, you know, fasting is powerful. It's not all about the scale and the weight loss, but that's a side effect of of, of using fasting is losing the weight. And that's why most people come to fasting in the first place. So, mm-hmm. um, the waist circumference, waist to height circumference ratio, um, ratio and metric is, is really starting to emerge as a much more potent indicator of overall health and longevity and wellness than like the old BMI chart, for instance. Sure. So yeah. I love that right from the, you know, mod, uh, low to moderate certainty, that two meals a day is better than three and that it's best for decreasing the waist circumference. Yeah. With, without any right <laughs> deliberate caloric deficit there. I'm going to, I'm going to keep underlining that yep. point because you know, it, it also matters too, but yeah, the, definitely um, some, some promising uh, data there for, for, and, and these studies just to clarify, we're all at least two weeks long, Um, I believe the average was somewhere in the, like in the four to six week range, but at at all, at least two weeks in duration. Yeah. It was interesting in the body weight category too. No effects were observed when three, four or six meals per day were compared to the eight meal per day. So just a lot of kind of wishy-washy, we think this might, eh, not really. So when it comes to waist circumference, one meal a day, excuse me, when it comes to um, fat mass, which is another one of the categories, Mm -hmm. uh, one meal per day. Um, reduced fat mass the greatest compared to three meals per day. And it was actually also the best for reduction in body weight. So two meals per day, slightly reduced body weight, right? Compared to three or six, Mm. one meal per day was actually the best for reduction in body weight. And also uh, secondarily, it was the best for reducing fat mass when compared to the three meal per day. So I love your point that you're going to underline again, insert Tommy's <laughs> comment here. Yeah. Um, without a deliberate effort to have a calorie deficit, but one meal a day is going to typically end up going in the calorie deficit direction uh, much more easily than two or three meals a day. Right. Yeah. And that's why we love the one meal a day or the OMAD frequency. Um, if you're looking for, some, some sustainable weight loss, uh, some, some, some wins under your belt quickly. Um, you've tried intermittent fasting, you've tried the, the, the 16, eight window and mm-hmm. it hasn't really done much, or maybe you've plateaued. Well, yeah. Then pushing the window a little bit to that 20, 22 to 24 hour mark or the one meal a day, right. even without 
the restriction, right? If you're trying to consume your body's complete caloric need in that, in that one meal, that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. You know, unless of course you're eating the, you know, the really caloric dense, rich process, you know, fast food, restaurant food type situations with drinks and desserts and all that kind of stuff you can get there or eating the whole, you know, the, the two for 10 Domino's pizza. Yeah. You can probably get there too, but you're not going to do that very often because you're not going to feel great. Yeah. It's, it's going to be self-limiting or, you know, it, it probably will be over, over time for sure. But I I think that's a great point because there is a a really big difference in doing one meal a day at home with intentional eating versus being in a restaurant or a fast food situation. It's very easy to consume a, a day's worth of calories. If you, if you have, you know, dinner at a restaurant with some appetizers, a couple, you know, fried things and, and maybe a drink or two, especially the, the sugary stuff that they like to, um, to serve, right? Like there's a big difference there. Right. And you're going to see big differences in long-term outcomes going down those two different paths as well. For sure. For sure. So as we transition out of the nerdy portion of this and, and the heavy lift, the <laughs> don't go to sleep on us portion of today's episode, Um, one meal a day was ranked the best treatment for body weight reduction followed by two meals a day. Whereas two meals a day was actually performed best for waist circumference. The rankings for fat mass and energy intake were inconclusive since none of the different meal frequencies investigated were superior when compared with the others. So one of the interesting things that came out of it from a secondary analysis or sensitivity standpoint, when they looked at the sensitivity analysis is analyses after, um, is, uh, only patients, when they looked at a population of only patients with obesity, both one and two meals per day were slightly more effective than the commonly accepted six meal per day um, kind of eating plan or, or eating schedule. If you ever look at the diabetes, uh, you know, American Diabetes Association recommended food schedule or food plans. Yeah. It's the breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, you know, dinner, snack, kind of try to keep those blood sugar levels um, as steady you know, as possible, right? Yeah. As steady as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, which just furthers the insulin resistance portion of it, which is where we're transitioning out of the don't go to sleep on us nerdy portion of where we've been moving into the more nuanced conversation where we're going here. The, in the population with obesity, which is the, in, I would surmise, I would make an assumption here that those are the people that are less metabolically healthy that have more insulin resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the underlying cause of the weight loss issues or being able to keep the weight off yeah. or the, you know, the hunger and all the stuff that comes along with trying to lose weight on the diet roller coaster. Both one and two meals a day were more effective than the six meals a day, which goes against in reducing body weight, which goes against that standard operating procedure for people that are already in the category of being overweight or obese. So just simply starting there for you guys who are listening is a great place to be. Yeah, because there's a big difference in what's going to happen in in meal frequency um, between being insulin resistant and not being insulin resistant. And that may be where some of the fuzziness or inconclusions kind of come from, uh, you know, from some of these these groups of the the analyses that they're doing in this study, because this was a a bit of a mixed bag of of subjects, right? Some of them, like uh, a minority had some sort of insulin resistance, a lot of them did not. Um, and and we've, we've gone through some of those studies um, on in previous episodes where uh, there's definitely a, a difference and meal frequency, if you're taking in the same number of calories, if you have no insulin resistance, it may not matter if I if I took in half now and half in three hours. But if I have a high level of insulin resistance, my 
my blood sugar and my insulin are still elevated three hours later. If I take in the other half of my day's worth of calories, I'm, I'm going to end up storing a lot more of those as long-term fat stores versus being able to, to burn through those. Yeah. I really like that, that point of, um, of clarity there is that, you know, we, we looked at this article, we're like, Oh, this is really cool. There's some good talking points here, but the main takeaway is going to be, um, the, the additional benefit that you're going to be gaining from never mind just the freak decreasing the frequency, but also decreasing the overall intake, <clears throat> excuse me, intake, which is going to be addressing, you know, the underlying issue of being able to get the weight off and keep it off, which is that resistance component that you were just uh, kind of explaining there. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Because if you, if you're just, uh, you know, if you're just eating regularly and again, um, not so much in a restaurant that can kind of give us, you know, false, false signals and kind of bypass some of our, our own, our own bodies, you know, mechanisms for how much should we be eating. But if, if we're just doing standard eating at home and we do one meal a day versus two meals a day versus three meals a day, if, if we're focused on one meal a day, for example, um, we are typically going to not consume a whole day's worth of calories. Like we're, we're typically going to have a built-in calorie deficit there which, which is, uh, you know, a, a good portion of, of, of the insulin control and of the ultimate, you know, weight loss, uh, that a lot of folks see with, with one meal a day. And so that's, that's very different from some of these, um, experimental conditions here, uh, that we saw. Yeah. And one of the cool things at the end of the article, they, they had a, a section on the relevance of our findings and they mentioned that research shows that in adults with overweight and obesity, a reduction in body weight simply of five to 10% of initial body weight was associated with improvements in the majority of overall health risk factors. Right. So um, they, they even mentioned that in this analysis, the weight loss wasn't significant or of, of sufficient magnitude to be associated with those. But some of the studies were as short as two weeks, right? And we know right. we've looked at some of those low carb studies with diabetics over the course of six months, 12 months, 18 months, and 24 months. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of the times the weight comes back following the standardized eating meal planning schedules. That is one of the things that we liked about this conversation is that the commonly accepted thing is, you know, uh, low, low caloric deficit, uh, making sure you're getting, like we mentioned, and we opened the episode with, you know, the, the meal snack, protein shake, meal snack, you know, kind of framework. Right. right. Um, and I just like the, the, the kind of the takeaway that there's so much information out there and you've most of us, like you and I, Tommy, when we came to fasting, there was a lot of like, well, screw it. I've tried everything else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Like yep. why not just do it? Right. <laughs> so, um, if you're new to fasting, if you've been fasting, you've kind of hit a plateau. Um, I really want to encourage you guys to head over to the show notes or the website um, and jump in. It's time, especially if you're on it. We're on episode 80, 81, 82, somewhere in there. I'm not sure which one this is when it'll be released full transparency. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of recordings. Um, but um, I know specifically for this one, the challenge is coming up next week. So it's yeah. like in, in, in on, on July 25th, like we're here. We've got seven days. If you've been on the fence, if you've been like, ah, you know, I, 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 it's been working, but maybe you just need like that boost of energy um, and that little extra push. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, to, to kind of, to get the momentum moving in the right direction again, um, we can kind of contrast the, um, the inconclusivity of this article and the wishy-washy results and the low certainty mm-hmm. comparing that with the old weight loss journey of suffering through low, uh, low and slow, like eat less, move more, take six weeks to lose four pounds. And then one life event or celebration or weekend warrior, or birthday event, or, uh, you know, weekend order away, a order, order a pizza, pizza one right? Friday throws night you off and track. It's done. Right. So, um, it is time to really kick things into high gear. It is the middle of summer. Um, before we know it, the holidays are going to be here. Yep. I just said it. Go to Hobby Lobby. There's a store here locally. You're going to see Christmas decorations being put up in the middle of oh, summer yep. because they know what they're doing. So um, I want to compare that old energy of the old journey with what we have coming up on June 20, uh, excuse me, July 25th. I'm super excited, Tommy. Uh, let's land the plane here with a couple final thoughts um, and takeaways or action steps just to make sure that uh, we didn't lull people to sleep today. So I just kept, I just kept looking through the article, like waiting for the evidence to hit me, waiting for the conclusion that more meals a day was going to be better, that it was somehow going to, to show itself that it was, it was revving up metabolism. Like I had always heard, like it, it was, it was the magic behind, you know, dropping the fat and and getting the results and losing the weight. Right. And, but that, that's exactly how I felt years ago. I was so confused. I was scouring the research myself looking for like, what was, what wasn't working? Why wasn't it working? And like, it was, it was so frustrating and so confusing and that's when I found fasting. And it was like what you mentioned earlier, like that frustration, desperation point. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking, why, why isn't fasting working right now for me? Or why can't I lose the weight? Why isn't this working? Um, I'm just going to encourage you go over, check out the, the challenge page, register for it. It's a, it's, there's no time like the president we we took all of those confusing pieces everything that that frustrated us and the questions that we had we we put those into the challenge so we could answer those and get the results that that we'd been looking for for so long and i will make one final promise here tommy as we wrap up today's episode and i love that perspective i promise you that we will not have this conversation during those 7 days okay <laughs> Because uh, the fact that, um, you know, the, the conclusion of the article is there's no significant findings on either side. Well, I'll tell yeah. you where we do have findings. That's in our community group. That's in our continuity group. And that is most definitely in our challenges. So yeah. um, I promise here it is. I'm saying it to all of our hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this. We promise that this, these, this conversation will not come up. It'll be in those seven days. Okay. So with that, I encourage you to head on over. Tommy, thank you for your time, sir. Great conversation, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.